It has been a while since we've had someone come up here with me and share their story of God's work in their life. It's something we try to do pretty regularly in here. Today we're back at it with Jason and Lindsay Jones, so y'all can come on up. Um, a little bit about Jason and Lindsay as they get settled. They've been married for 15 years. They have an 11-year-old daughter, Tinley, and a 9-year-old son, Wade. What's that? This one right here in the middle. Oh, yeah. And uh, Jason works as production processing manager of the U.S. for Ameripride. Lindsay is an attorney and, in fact, a partner at Wiseman Bray. Uh, Lindsay, we're going to jump right in and start with you. You grew up in Jackson, Mississippi. Why don't you tell us? Can I get... No. What? Yeah, that's it. Uh, tell us a little bit about your childhood. Um, yeah, I grew up in Jackson my whole life. I'm in the middle of five kids, um, smack dab in the middle. So um, I had a you know good childhood. Grew up in um, church. Went to first pres for elementary school, and then Jackson Prep for high school. Went to high school with Will. Went to high school with Will. Yep. The basketball um, store. Out of pictures. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and I had a, a good good family life, good growing up. Um, You're an athlete. I was an athlete. Tell us um, how good of an athlete, Jason. Uh, she's got a state championship medal for high jump. That's and pretty cool. Got her college paid for dancing. Not true. <laughs> I did dance in college, but that's not what paid for my college. <laughs> what? A pacer. No, I was a cheerleader. I was not a pacer. I did not wear the boots. I did not wear the boots. So, yeah, I did gymnastics um, for most of my grown-up years. Then I switched to um, cheerleading and track and then um, was on the Palm Squad at Memphis in college, which is how I got to Memphis. Uh, you grew up in church? Grew up in church, um, a Methodist church, went to the same church my whole life. Um, Who else grew up in a Methodist church? Only a couple. What Methodist church? Galloway. Who grew up in a Baptist church? Only a few. Okay. So my dad had, um, my dad had grown up in a very small town, um, Southern Baptist church in Louisville, Mississippi. And so he was very um, learned in the Bible, but it was just, going to church was just kind of something we did. Like, everybody that we knew went to church. It it wasn't, um, I wouldn't say there was anything particularly transformative about it. It was just kind of like, this is what we did. As I got older, um, my dad kind of got disillusioned with the church, and so he didn't go, but my mom and all of us still went. Um... But it was just very kind of routine, I would say. Now, you had a similar interest in athletics, um, but your childhood was different. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your life growing up? Um, Up until age 11, I lived what is now called Hickory Hood, I guess. Um, My parents had both been married prior to getting married, so I had three stepbrothers. Didn't know them, no relationship with them. Uh, Went to Germantown. Baptist Church. We were heavily involved at age 11 at a revival. I made the walk down the aisle, and then about a month later, my world completely ended. My mom left, 
moved to Maryland to marry a childhood friend, and I was essentially forced to uproot and move with her. He had three stepdaughters and had no clue what to do with a kid that did. I pretty much was an idiot, uh, misbehaved. I thought I was the reason my mom left. Um, had a lot of untreated issues, uh, ADD type stuff that probably would have helped if they had done something. Um, so I lived there for two years. It was um, it was interesting. Stepdad did not know how to deal with me at all. He had no interest in sports. In fact, he was big into antique cars, so you can imagine how much fun that is. <laughs> yes. um, spent my was able to spend my summers back here with my dad. And when I came back when I was 13, he had remarried. So I inherited, I guess, two more stepsisters and a stepbrother. Very broad, dysfunctional family. Um, they told me when I was 13 that I didn't have to go back. I get to pick where I can live. There was no way I was getting back on that plane. Uh, slept on the couch for the first year. Had a dresser in the closet because they didn't have any room for me until my oldest stepsister moved on. Um, went to Barlett High School. Got uh, Played basketball there. Um, back when I played basketball there, it was pretty much a... Uh, it was a full-time gig, year-round. My junior year, we were ranked 15th in the nation in USA Today poll. And you said sports probably saved you from getting into a lot more trouble because you are kind of left to yourself. Yes. I had no supervision. Um, my dad was in the car business. Anybody knows anybody in the car business? The hours are crazy. My stepmom didn't care. If I was around, she disciplined me differently than she did her kids, so I just chose not to be around. I was, there was about a two-week span where I didn't even come home. Came home to get clean clothes, and they just thought that I had been there. They were like, we missed you this morning. It's like, I haven't been here in two weeks. Hmm. Um, so you can imagine the trouble I got myself into without getting in trouble. In a sense, I did stupid things, just didn't get caught doing stupid things. I mean, nothing like world-changing stupid. But And then you said... So you were out of there right after high school? Yes. Two days after I graduated high school, I came home from work, and all my stuff was on the front porch. My stepmom said she needed my room to convert, essentially, to her sewing room. Um, so I loaded everything I could into my car. Uh, a buddy I graduated high school with, grandmother, left a house to him. So I moved in with him for a few months until college started. And I went to Memphis. I sold my car to pay for the first year of college. So it was a little, the commute thing got a little difficult. So I moved in to the fraternity house, which if anybody's ever pledged a fraternity, I don't recommend living in the house when you're pledging. <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah. That was, but you didn't have a choice. Didn't have a choice. It worked out. Uh, you were working nights at FedEx. You were working at Varsity. You worked there for a long time. I worked at Varsity for 16 years. Um, actually, they're neighbors with my old boss now. He married Jamie. Oh, really? How about that? Started um, there when I was 18, up until three years ago. So you're on the Palm Squad, and then y'all meet your sophomore year, her freshman year. How'd y'all meet? Go for it. The very first time we met was at uh, Denim and Diamonds. <laughs> who doesn't remember that? <laughs> On the grind side, not the country side. Not the country side. The mind, the mind side, for sure. 
between mine and grind, too. That's yeah. true. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember that distinction. Yeah. Uh, then you didn't see each other for a little while. Right. And y'all were both in relationships. So how did it come back together? Uh, I'm a big Memphis basketball fan. When I was in school, I didn't miss a game. And this was like tick price error. So, I mean, I was real deal fan. You can put up with basketball then. <laughs> Y'all were bad. Yes. Um, I didn't understand they were why still, he was so obsessed with them. Especially when I was like, they were still playing at the Pyramid. Uh, I'd been telling my roommate about this girl that I met at Denim and Diamonds. He was like, if you don't shut up about this girl. I looked up, and she's out there performing at halftime. I was like, that's her. He's like, no, it's not. You're, you're making this up. So I walked out on the floor, essentially made sure it was her, got her phone number, immediately got escorted off the court. Um, <laughs> Um, her big sister in the sorority was a good friend of mine from my freshman year. So I called her and she said, yeah, she's coming over here to hang out. We're having a little get together at my place. This was two nights later. Mm-hmm. So I went over there after work and y'all slept together the first night. Yes. <laughs> Within about 20 minutes, everybody cleared out cause it was a snowstorm coming and we got snowed in. Set one of those little sectional couches. It was very awkward. Like, did my feet go by your head? Your head go by my head? Like, what are we doing here? It was. And it was neither of our, like, I was living in the dorm. This was a friend of mine's apartment. So it was, but yeah, that was his. I tried to get her back for to the a dorm. while. He was yeah. like, I slept with her on the first night. <laughs> <laughs> he went back and I was like, please don't tell your friends that. He was like, I already told them. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so, Lindsay, what were your first impressions about Jason? You know, one of the things that I told you was um, we obviously were from very different backgrounds, and I think I was initially drawn to it. I'd never known anybody who worked as hard as he did and, and was just um, you know, very self-sufficient sort of despite um, everything that had happened to him. Because um, growing up, you know, everything had mostly come easy to me, and so... Um, you know, I didn't really have any of that adversity, um, so I just uh, was really drawn to that initially. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're the brains of the operation, right, Jason? <laughs> <laughs> pretty... Yes. Why don't you brag on your wife a little bit about um, school? She has. She got three degrees in six years. I got one in six. <laughs> <laughs> and one um, of those was a law degree. Yes. Yeah. The, so we had we had Tinley when she got when I graduated. Tinley was eight months old and this was the best she's ever gotten me burn wise um i was like well we're gonna have to figure something out to do with tinley because we're both graduating and she said i've done this twice you go ahead (laughs) (laughs) to graduation (laughs) yeah i'll keep tinley you go ahead and walk you didn't say that no not not like that it's like don't work i got this i got it it was the spirit behind it was that, though. Yes. <laughs> All right. Y'all uh, got married right before law school, and um, because of family troubles on your side, you said there wasn't a whole lot of family there. So who was there with you? Yes. Yeah, so my when I moved back here, my mom and I pretty much, we never had a good relationship, which it, that's why I didn't understand why I had to force to move up there with her. Um, and it got worse and worse over the years um she i bet we didn't talk for about three or four years um she didn't come to my wedding she made sure that nobody on her side of the family came but my two closest college friends um what were their names matthew beavers and jonathan white mm-hmm. um they made sure they were there i mean i had some other college buddies that came but as far as family that's 
the only family I would consider other than my dad that was at the wedding. Hmm. And then not long after you guys are married, tragedy struck. Yes. So tell us about that. So uh, Lindsay actually was the one that made the phone call to me. She found out before I did. Uh, my college roommate, best man in my wedding, um, when he graduated, he was going to move to Costa Rica. He had noticed this huge change in him. They were going to go and do missionary work his, with his uncle, build houses. Um, but before he left, he wanted to go up to Virginia to see his dad's side of the family because his dad had passed away when he was in high school. On the way home from church on a Wednesday night, a city-owned street sweeper truck ran a red light. Um, he didn't have his seatbelt on, and he went out the back window and died instantly. It was um, it was rough. And it was the second semester of my second year of law school, and we'd been married a year and a half. Um, and it, I would say, it just kind of shook both of us. Um, I mean, we were just cruising along, you know, we'd been married. We were not um, really in church at that time. Um, and, you know, we were still in that phase where we thought we were invincible and, and things were going along well. So um, he pretty much completely <coughs> shut down. Um, you know, we had several, de- you know, I was st- still going to school, but, you know, I'd come home and he wouldn't say anything. He would just, you know, we'd just kind of sit there. Um, and I think, you know, I didn't know what to do. It was the first time where I felt like I've always been kind of a fixer solution person by nature, and I, I couldn't fix it. I couldn't do anything about it. I couldn't make it better. Um, and so I think for the next few months, um, we were just kind of floating along trying to figure out how does this happen. And then out of that came this discussion of, you know what, we were – we were both very sure that he had gone to heaven um, because he had just, you know, come and was so excited to tell us about, um, you know, his plans for Costa Rica and all of that. And I just remember thinking, you know, if that had been one of us, I don't think we would have gone to heaven. Even though I had grown up in church, we were both very aware. Um, we just hadn't been, um, it certainly wasn't anything we had been practicing and just felt like, you know, I'm not sure that... Hmm. I'm comfortable with my salvation and his either. But this was, I mean, there was another two weeks, almost exactly two weeks uh, later. The other close friend, Trisha knew him, um, fell asleep one night and didn't wake up. So the two young men that were in your wedding that were like family. And so you say, I mean, these, especially the Beeves, the the first guy was like the most important person in for someone who didn't have close relationships growing up, and then this was his... Yeah, and I didn't have... I mean, I had, you know, friends, but I didn't have any friends like that because I had my family. And so, um, you know, I've always told Beef's mom since he died that, that sh- he sort of gave me my husband. He prepared him to be a husband and a father and, and all of those things because he was just um, a very, you know, charismatic person and... Um, he just kind of made Jason be accountable, I would say, because he'd never had anybody that he was accountable to, you know, as a child and stuff. Hmm. Um, so through this, you, you said he shuts down. I mean, obviously, <laughs> grief-stricken, and, and it's hard on your marriage, not to mention there's law school, and you said your grades were bad. He was like, 
they weren't that bad. You know? <laughs> she made bees. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they were bad for you. But um, this becomes That's very this, traumatizing for me. No, I understand. <laughs> and, but you didn't... And that, it was this big moment for both of you. You're thinking, I know where he is, but I don't know where we would go. And you, you said, we weren't sure if the marriage was going to make it at that point, but God saved your marriage in Europe. So how did that happen? So we had been, prior to all this happening, we had been planning um, between my second and third year of law school to go um, to Europe. And when all this happened, we had, you know, asked our parents for things for Christmas and all that kind of stuff. And we almost decided not to go because we were just, you know, um, there wasn't a whole lot of communication. And, you know, we were like, maybe we just shouldn't spend the money and and all this kind of stuff. Um, But we ended up going, and I think that was when we started talking back to each other. Um, and I think we both realized that we were having similar, kind of going through similar things internally. Um, and so it was just a good time to kind of be away. We had a great time. It was just the two of us um, and, and sort of. I mean, you sleep in hostels and on trains. You're forced to, you're forced to talk it out. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so then by the time we came back, I think we were both in a place where we realized, you know, we we needed salvation and um you know then we actively started to look to get back engaged and you know find a church and reroute our relationship and And then y'all found Grace Van on your first visit, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I think y'all set a record for visiting churches. How many did you visit? She, she did most of the visiting cuz it wore me out. <laughs> After a while you're like, yeah, I was, if it passed if it passed your standards then I'll give it a shot. <laughs> I think I counted and we visited 24 churches. 24 churches. Cuz I had grown up in the same church my whole life and so I had this concept of like how it should be. And so And then I was totally overwhelmed by the size of a lot of the churches here because Jackson's just not as big and the churches aren't as big. Um, And so, yeah, we had some extremely awkward experiences um, through our church visiting. (laughs) But at least you know... Where right, you can recommend. And, that's right. Yeah. I was no, coaching. Trust me. You just get sick of looking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I was coaching. No, he quit looking. He was just like, I'm done. <laughs> I, a friend of ours asked me to coach a team in the cross-check league. So I'd been coaching in here. And Bill Seeley worked for varsity and invited us one day and walked in. Randy Ray was teaching at the time. I knew him from college. He was in the same fraternity. So it just <clears throat> seemed... It was a little. It was a little more welcoming when I walked in. It wasn't. Everybody wasn't a complete stranger. Yeah, that's good. Um, Twenty-four, and then you said you got invited to teach a class, like second visit. Yes. A kids' class. Yes. Yeah, so we, right. we Bill called and was. I mean, this is literally a lot of our kids second visit, here. and he's like, "Hey, um, so you know, tell me y'all y'all enjoyed it. Blah blah blah. How would you feel about teaching a kindergarten class?" And I was like. <laughs> Tinley was like 18 months old, I think. And um, I was like, okay, because anybody who knows me, I'm not very good at saying no. So I think he called me, not you, because he knew you would say no. <laughs> and, uh, he, and I was like, yeah, sure. And so we taught the kindergarten class um, back in the back with Karen Jordan. And sort of through that, we really got connected in Grace. We got in a Grace group with Tom and Karen. Um, we were the youngest ones by several years, and um, that was. But that became we... a huge thing for you guys because yeah. going through what you went through with, you know, the death of your friends. I mean, 
and then later when we're going to hear about in a minute, but that was just a significant support. Yes. So we st- when we started that grace group, I guess it was after that year we taught, they started a grace group that was originally designed to be three older couples and three younger couples. One of the couples I don't think ever came, they might have come once, the younger couples, and then one of the younger couples um, came for a little while, but they sort of took us in and adopted us as their younger couple, um, and were, you know, great mentors, sort of helped yeah. us get connected, and then we were in Randy Ray's class, so that helped us get connected with um, people, you know, your own people age. our age. Yeah. Well, I'm sure I've said this in here before, but Tiffany and I had a similar experience in having mentor couples when we lived down on the coast. Some of our closest friends were in their 60s and 70s, and we were so refreshed by, you know, we're overwhelmed by the speed of life picking up and everything's coming at us and we don't know how to handle it. And they're kind of on the back nine, you know, sitting on their porch a lot, retired, and we just really enjoyed that fellowship. And so I, um, and there's a lot of wisdom there. So I would commend that to anyone to, to fight to try to find some older friends like that. Um, and again, this was all very timely because about the time you're settling in at Grace, you have another big event in your life. So why don't you talk about that? Yeah, so Tinley was three and Wade was like um, three or four months old. And um, I found out the night before Tinley's third birthday that um, my dad was a lawyer um, and he had done some things and lost his license and ultimately ended up um, going to federal prison for two years, roughly. Um, And it completely rocked my world. I was just wholly unprepared to deal with that because my family had always been our stability we heard about his family um was definitely not and so um I was you know I guess I kind of fell apart for a little while (laughs) um Wade was a baby he didn't sleep and I just remember I was embarrassed um I, you know, questioned my career choice because by this time I'm practicing law. The reason I did that was, you know, largely in part because of my dad. Um, My dad and I are very similar personality-wise, strong-willed, stubborn. He was exceptionally (coughs) smart. Um, And so I just was really sort of thrown off course personally. Um, And so at that point I was just kind of, you know, lost in terms of, you know, what do I do? How do I fix this? How do I make this better? And then um, my mom had never worked. She had raised five kids. And so we had all of this pressure um, to figure out how to help her, how to kind of get her on a course, because there were obviously financial issues and all kinds of things that went along with that. Um, And so, yeah, it was just really tough and I think I had never I mean I realized later I had never sort of fully separated from my parents um and so that was a big struggle for us um through that because you know he was like I think he felt like probably my mom was joining our marriage and I was very conflicted as far as you know feeling like I we you know me and my siblings needed to help her and kind of help her get on a course but also you know trying to protect our family because at that point you know it was a separate you know our separate family Hmm. and y'all were connected with the grace group at that time so did you open that up to them yes um and at that time we were the only younger couple so really it was mostly kind of turned into a you know how can we help 
Jason and Lindsay. I mean, I don't even know that we had a curriculum during that time. It was just kind of them helping us because it was Mike and Lisa Davis and Tom and Karen um, who were probably the most instrumental hmm. in that and just helping me work through those issues, helping us work through those issues of, you know, you have your own family. That's, you know, you didn't have anything to do with that because I felt, you know, we felt like it, somehow it was our fault. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and I think that was, it wasn't, but, you know, I felt like it was for whatever reason. I just think the point, the fact that you brought that out is significant. You know, I hear people say a lot because this is kind of a buttoned up kind of church. And I hear people say, well, this isn't a safe place to struggle. And I think that is a bunch of crap. Um, I have seen some people fall flat on their face or go through some devastating circumstances and be loved very well through that. I think, though, culturally, it is a hard place to feel like it's okay to share this stuff. Um, and, and I get that, but I would just encourage you, you know, if ever, if it's your own personal struggles, if it's something going on in your family, I mean, there are people here that can walk that road with you. And they're looking back on this going, this is one of the most formative times in our life, in the faith. We had these godly mentor couples walking with us for a long time. And... Um, at one point, when, when he was shut down, when his friends died, you said you didn't think the marriage was going to make it. After this happened with her dad, you said you didn't think the marriage was going to make it. You know, but, I mean, God has been faithful. So what have, what have y'all learned about God? What has he shown you about himself through? This is a lot. I mean, that was the first couple years of your marriage. Yeah, I think for me, what I've learned the most, um, or what God has shown me, is that, you know, He's continually reminded me that He's in control and that He does work everything for His good, not necessarily for, you know, my good at the time, um, or our good, you know, didn't feel like that at the time. But um, but in I, the end, you can look back and see how it, He's got a plan that's not for us to understand. Yeah. How has it been good for you guys? I think it's brought us together um, as a couple. It's helped shape our ideas as far as our family and parenting and what that um, looks like because we obviously had two very different backgrounds, but both you know, were sort of brought to our knees by very different types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's always been God telling me, you know, I know you think you can fix this and do this and, you know, but I, I'm in control and, and I have this, not, yeah. you know, um, not you or not us or not him or mm-hmm. whatever. And one thing I was struck by when we were talking is just your, how God used this to make you a leader in the family, which wouldn't come naturally when your wife gets three degrees yes. and, you know, all of this and she's just running and charging. But I mean, Ultimately, God has shaped you and allowed you uh, and shown you how to lead your family through this. And I think that was a great kind. Jonathan Todd was a big help with that. Yeah. I had several meetings with him uh, after her dad went away because I didn't know what to do. And he's like, you're going to have to step up. It's your time. But again, it's bringing it out. You guys mm-hmm. told your grace group. You told Jonathan Todd. I mean sometimes God will give us burdens that are far too heavy for us to carry alone. And um, just, I think that's a great takeaway for us is when that time comes for us and it will, and it will look different for all of us, 
but to bring it into the light, to bring and trust it to our church family, and and watch God work. And I think that the thing I was able to see was that because I was very embarrassed, so most of the people in my peer group did not know. Certainly not at the time. Um, you know, I was very emotional, which was unusual for me. But I just kind of. Everybody else thought it was because Wade didn't sleep, and I was, you know, just, which was true. Um, And I was just kind of, you know, an exhausted young mom. But um, I think we felt comfortable enough because we sort of, our grace group wasn't our peer group where we could, you know, sort of talk about that. And they were, um, they didn't feel that pressure that we would have felt telling a peer group of, you know, oh, what if other people find out or what if other people know? Because um, I remember one of the things my mom told me um, was, and I think that was probably a thing in my family was kind of appearances. Everybody thought we had the perfect family. Um, and I know doing what I do that nobody has a perfect family, but everybody thinks the perfect family is out there. Um, and so when this happened, it was like, what What do you mean you have you have this perfect family? And I, and I was like, yeah, I don't know. Um and so I think, you know, hearing from somebody else that, hey, you know, we've, with God's, through God's grace, we've been able to, you know, get past these things. And no, we don't have perfect families. And, you know, it, just having that wisdom, I think, um, was very, very helpful and just continually pointing us back to, like, I know it doesn't feel like this, but God is using this and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of giving us that want to try to keep trying yeah i think during those times but y'all now have a perfect family right <laughs> and y'all, totally. and y'all are perfect parents of course and you have yes. perfect kids yes so tell us about that wade is a um wade's a lot like me he got a lot more of me than he did of mama um he is off the charts i would say on the add but when we first got him tested, the medicine that he was on was, there's basically an 80-20 thing. They say that certain medicines will help 80%, and then there's this 20% where it's just hit or miss, and you're going to have to dwell in deep and find something. And, of course, he fell in the 20%. Um, the, he goes to Briarcrest. At one point, they weren't going to renew his contract if we didn't get him tested. We were wanting to wait another year for him to be older, um, but we jumped the gun, got him tested, got him on medicine. Um, the first round, the medicine, I mean, we found him in his closet, sitting in the corner, and he had chewed on his fingernails to the point where they were just bloody stumps. He was kind of a zombie, and if anybody's been around Wade, he's got more personality than you can handle, and he just wasn't the same. So we took him off everything, um, prayed on it for a long time, met with you, um, and then he's basically on a liquid form of medicine that shouldn't do anything, but for some reason with his, the way his brain is wired, it seems to work. Um, it's such a low dose that at lunch each day, he has to take a smaller dose just to get through the school day. And it's such a small dose, you don't think it would do anything, but on the days when I don't give it to him, you can tell. Yeah. And he is very... Uh, <clears throat> It's very difficult. I didn't have gray hair before him. (laughs) (laughs) But then you guys were also talking about, like, he's unique, and he's a, everyone knows Wade. Like, he's a a leader, and God is already shaping that into, you know, 
being he's being used in those ways and you found it's a lot of trial and error i think i wanted to talk about that because we're talking about parenting right now in this book and um you know you said you know it's just with him it hasn't been like okay that's what it says and now let's go do it it's a lot of trial and error and i think that it's the way it is for a lot of our kids if you have more than one you know they're not the same and what worked for them may not work for them and so that was helpful for and me. It, yeah, I, think I mean, he looks like a fourth grader. Yeah, if anybody's great. ever seen him, he's only in second grade. So when he throws one of the second grade temper tantrums, <laughs> you think something's wrong with him. And you get looks out in public because he's as big as our fifth grade daughter. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think that was the thing. You know, with Tenley was very much sort of by the book, you know, traditional, you know, spanking, all that kind of stuff. And it worked, you know, relatively you know, like you expect it to when you read a book and, or, you know, you listen to John Roseman and, and you kind of do all these things. And with Wade, I was like, we're doing all these things. Um, and, I mean, I remember a time when, you know, we spanked him every day when he got home from school in kindergarten because he got in trouble every day at school. And I was like, something about this just isn't, you know, isn't working. Uh, I was like, I mean, we spanked him every day for three weeks, and we've seen no, you know, so we're going to have to try to figure out kind of what the triggers are. And so I think, you know, we've had lots of, we've tried a lot of different things. We've had different people come in. He's done um, social therapy. He does some occupational therapy still for fine motor stuff. Um, And so, but I think, you know, again, there was this stigma like, well, you must not be disciplining him right, or you must not be. And so it was like, well, I mean, we're trying. We're, you know, (laughs) we're we're doing, and it worked this time, and why does it not work this time? Um, But I think just kind of, and then finding out what, works for that child was was huge for him and that's Mm -hmm. why I've talked in here before about um, sports and activities and that kind of thing because for him um, combined with you know the discipline and the stuff with school that was a huge um, help for him just giving him an outlet for that energy and a lot of things that um, most kids I would say pick up on at school in terms of social interactions and respect for teachers and all those types of things um, he gets those things through sports because that's just kind of the language that he speaks and so that's been very helpful mm-hmm. um for us and it's been great for their relationship because he's he's coached him and i think it's helped both of us see that you know kind of the light at the end of the tunnel that they're you know um see some progress that's good over time <laughs> well, that's good does anybody have any questions <laughs> here we go well no questions Yeah. Well, how about a hand for Jason and Lindsay? Thank you, guys. I'm going to pray for us, all right? Okay. Father in heaven, we thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you, Lord, that though we turn away from you, you come and pursue us, and uh, you are relentless in your pursuit of your people, Lord. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you will never leave us or forsake us. We thank you even for the trials because we know that in them you grow our hope and faith and trust in you. Lord, uh, we don't wish to repeat some of these trials and uh, we don't wish to go back to those devastating places, but we can see on this side of things how, how you work all things for the good of those that love you and are called according to your purpose. So for the one in here this morning that finds themselves in the midst of the darkness and 
can't find up from down, I pray that you would just give them confidence in you, who you are and what you're doing, what you've done in Christ. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would speak peace to their soul. Thank you for the work you've done in the Jones family. Uh, Lord, it is a great encouragement to hear, and we pray that all of us would better know you because of it. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, guys.